Bibles, I'm going to ask our ushers if you could help us. Uh, hold your hand up if you need to borrow a Bible during the service, and our ushers will get one to you. Welcome those of you in the chapel and over in our video cafe as well. And if you're streaming, get your electronic devices out, get your Bible at home, and let's follow together. We're going to go to Romans chapter 12, and uh, if you want to borrow a Bible, go ahead and do that, and then just leave it on the chair when we're finished today. We're in a series, if you're joining us, we're in a series called Authentic, and today we're actually talking about patience. So as a way of illustration, we pretty well shut down every road to get to the church this morning. Did you notice that? If you came by way of Streetsville, I did early this morning. A lot of you tried to come in that direction because of the Bread and Honey Festival that's on. They had set all these cones up. The police were blocking the roads. I just turned and drove down. I thought that's what we're supposed to do, and I thought it was a slalom course, you know. But apparently they frown on that, and they also frown when you actually try to make the runners dodge your car. So uh, we apologize for those that were held up a little bit in the delay, but thank you for making it out to church. Patience is a quality that Paul describes in Romans chapter 12 as marking a life that has authentic love. In fact, he says it this way. He goes, you're going to be patient in affliction. So we're going to look at that a little more in depth as we get there. How many of you, by show of hands, whether you're in the room or the other venues, you would say, I am an extremely patient person. Now remember, Jesus is watching and I am too. Isn't it interesting? We all... Pretty much, there's about four of you, and we would like to applaud you for doing that. But all the rest of us, we all sort of know we have this uh, natural indication or natural inclination, actually, towards impatience in our lives. And so we want to look at this because the Bible does speak about it. And I got thinking about patience. You ever think about how patient Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have had to have been? Just think about Jesus. Look at the screen for a moment. Think about Jesus as a young boy taking a bath. What would that have been like to try to get him in the water instead of walking on the water? Get in the tub, son. You have to take a bath. Or think about Noah getting the animals two by two. Think of these two getting on the ark. Got to be patient. Rain is coming. Move along. Let's go. And those of you that are growing up in this whole environment, you know the tooth fairy, and you put your tooth, you lose a tooth, you put it on your pillow. What would it be like if the tooth fairy was impatient? Just the thought. So as we talk about patience this morning, here's what I want us to recognize. We live in a culture that is so frenzied and almost frantic. We drink Red Bull to build margin in our lives. We just need more energy. You know, we drink caffeine. Caffeine wasn't enough. We drink Red Bull. We just move our lives out. We try to drive our pace at faster and faster levels so we can accomplish more and more and more. What does it do? It stretches patience to the thin line. And we've become extremely impatient people. Now, if you don't believe that people in general are impatient, how many of you are up for a little bit of a test today? Now, it's not going to cost you anything, and you can relax, okay, if you're listening to me. Here's what I want you to do. When you leave church today, when you're driving, and if you're in a car with somebody or you're driving, the next time you pull up to a red light and you stop at a red light and the light turns green, wait for five seconds, Isn't it amazing? I was at a light. The light, I was sitting in a red light. The light turned green, like green, like that. And beep, because I hadn't moved. I'm going, oh my gosh, I can't even find my gas pedal yet. The light just turned green. Like we are so much in a rush. Or if you want to have a little bit of fun, slow down at a yellow light. Most people don't know what yellow means anymore. You know, caution, slow down. We all think, Trumpet, get through the light. That's what it's for. Try slowing down for a yellow light. People will let you know what they think of you. 
I come to church by way of Streetsville, and I drive home during the week by way of Streetsville, and uh, they know that, so they posted 40-kilometer zones now for me because God's helping me discover patience in my life. And that didn't help, so they posted, you know the flashing lights? Okay, we all go there. So they have flashing lights at each end of Streetsville to remind us we're in a slower zone. So it's taken me a while, uh, and I've now got used to driving at the 40-kilometer zone, and it, it did. It took me a little bit. It tested my patience, but uh, I'm working with God, and together we're going to manage this. So the other day I was driving home, and I crossed the railway tracks, and I know the zone. And the car in front of me set off the lights, and I went, oh, yeah, yeah, you're in the 40-kilometer. Slow down. So like a good follower of Jesus would do, interactive, yes, you people, that's what we would do. I slowed down to 40 while this SUV comes racing up behind me. And you know when somebody is in your space and they want you to know they're in your space? They are like right there. Like if I hit the brakes, we would be forever united. That's the way it was. And he's moving to the left and to the right. It's a one-lane road. Where are you going to pass me? And so now I'm driving at 40. He's letting me know. He's not happy about the fact that we're doing 40 kilometers per hour. So being the good follower of Jesus, I thought, it's probably better if we slow down a little bit. (laughs) Because he needs to know that patience is a virtue and that he should embrace patience with me. Well, I kept it at 40. I didn't want to create, you know, road rage because we were already there and he hadn't beeped his horn yet. He was letting me know he wasn't happy. By the time I got to the other end of Streetsville, he didn't even wait for us to clear the zone. He pulled out on the solid line, just passed, took off the other way and let me know that God loves me in uncertain terms. And I thought, wow, what's with our culture? Our culture is just overamped with activity. We are so impatient in everything we do. Came across some research. I thought this was really fascinating. Ramesh Sitaranam is a computer scientist, engineer, and he also does research. And he started a project. He examined the viewing habits of 6.7 million internet users. Think of the scope of the study. He wanted to know, because this is something most of us do, most of us are very comfortable doing with, when we take our iPhones or we take our computers or we have our iPads or our Android devices and we bring up videos, you know, we want to watch, there's nothing better to do YouTube anyhow, right, or Vimeo. So we bring up the little video and he was curious, how long are we willing to wait for the video to load before we will leave the site if it doesn't load? 6.7 million people. So he studied all of these people. Do you know what he discovered from the moment that we click on a video? How long do you think it takes for people to get just sort of discouraged and move away? Give me a shout out, anybody. How long? 10 seconds, 5 seconds, 3 seconds. Here's what he discovered. 1 and 2. 2 seconds. If the video doesn't load in two seconds, people begin to abandon the website. 6.7 million viewers. By five seconds, 25% of us have already moved on. We're tired of it. By 10 seconds, over 50% of people have given up. 10 seconds of our lives. We are so rushed, so impatient that we won't even wait. Here's what he summarized the whole thing. He said, I'm so discouraged because he said, my worry is that it takes took me years to formulate the study that at the level of impatience that people have, I will probably never be able to produce another study on patience because people are so impatient and they won't wait to complete the survey. 
gets even more interesting when you start to think about our lives because we forget where we've come from to where we are, and we've allowed culture to saturate the way we lived our life. We live our lives, and so we are impatient people. But think about this. How many of you are willing to admit the before and now version of our lives? Do you remember, for those of you who can, before when you turned your TV on and you had to wait for tubes to warm up? Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a kid, we, would, we wanted to watch a hockey game. We'd turn the TV on, and then we'd go out for the day waiting for the TV to warm up. Then we'd come up. It was finally warmed up enough we could see the image. Now, if it's not on, like if your computer doesn't start right away, people yell at them. Like they open the lid like it's supposed to be there right now. Now it's got to be instant. Or think about this before. How many of you remember when you used to have to preheat the oven for your instant 18-minute dinner? It's called a TV dinner. Nobody remembers that? Oh, good. All right, you're willing to admit it now. Now we put it in the microwave. 30 seconds, we're already tapping. We're looking at the countdown climb, the timer going, come on, I'm ready. Or this is, I love this one. This is a before. We used to mail letters to people we loved. <laughs> or birthday cards, by the way. We used to mail letters and birthday cards to people we loved. And we would wait and write a letter back, and we would wait days or weeks for a reply. Now... We write our little letter, we turn on our device, we turn on the receive notification, right? We want to know when they got it. We turn that on, we hit send, we see that they read it, and when they don't reply within seconds, we go, come on, I sent this to you. And what really irritates us is when we know they read it, and they don't answer us. Then we start to build a whole story. Well, they don't like me anymore. Well, what did I do that they're offended by me? How come they're not answering my... This is the culture that we are generating. We are so impatient with each other, and it seeps over into the very fabric of our spiritual lives. I got some good news and bad news today. The bad news is for those of you that are under 35, it affects you more than me, because I just had a birthday, and I'm slightly out of your bucket now. So the culture of hyper-connectivity. This is out of Pew Research Center. They did a, a study on those who are 35 and under, and they concluded this. The culture of 35 and under is what they call hyper-connected. And as they researched and studied the habits, the viewing habits, reading habits, and the expectations of this crowd, this is what the researchers designated. They said, we feel we should affix a warning label to people 35 and under, similar to the labels that we put on our prescription drugs. Whoa! Think about that. And here's what they want to put. They said, we should label those who are 35 and under with this, negative effects to include a need for instant gratification and a loss of patience. Wow, I'm glad I'm just over 35 today. That's what we're discovering. So the evidence is conclusive. We are an impatient society. We can't wait. We have this hyperactivity that we drive into our lives. We overcrowd our schedules. We book ourselves into activities. And then we wonder, why aren't we living an authentic life? And the beauty of the scripture is Paul writes to us, and he said, you know, if you really want to rediscover what's true, not the imitation, what's really true and valuable in life, he goes, one of the things about a description of love is this, is that you will be patient even in the midst of affliction. And we can maybe translate that this way. Patient even in the midst of challenging situations in life. That no matter what we're going through, and I would venture to say, I don't think there is a person that would hear my voice right now that could not take a pen and a piece of paper or an electronic device right now and go, this is my challenging situation. 
this is what sort of amps me up, raises my blood pressure. This is what causes me to lose sleep at night. These are the thoughts that flood my mind, and I just can't quiet them down. And so Paul writes, and he goes, here's what authentic love really looks like. It's a love that is demonstrated through patience. And whether you're going through a tough time or whether you're going through a season, as we heard about last week, by the way, great message on joy that Pastor Rick gave us, a season of joy. We learn how to walk in patience. And if you're too impatient, you can actually get caught up in making rash decisions with serious consequences. So we want to look at how the Bible addresses this because the Bible's got a lot to say. So take your notes out. Take a few notes together. You go to uversion.com, look at live events for Mississauga. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper as we go through this because the Bible has a great perspective on this. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. It's, just, it's called the pace of patience. The pace of it. Because impatience is not exclusive to 21st century living. We often, we do. I I think we've perfected the pace of impatience. But when you look at what the Bible has to say, there's a lot of evidence that impatience has been a part of the human condition since the fall of man. Eve was impatient with the forbidden fruit. James and John were impatient with Jesus and the Samaritans. They want to call fire down and just, hey, they don't love you, let's torch them. And the impatience shows up. So the Bible recognizes there's this basic character flaw in our lives called impatience. So it challenges us to reclaim authentic living and to embrace it so that we don't get caught up making rash decisions that are going to be disastrous. So let me illustrate for you. Moses and Israel. When God looked at the condition of the Israelites living in Egypt, he said, I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned, I have come down to rescue you. Over 400 years, they've been living in Egypt and they've been suffering. So God recognizes that I want to liberate you. I want to bring life into you. I'll be your God. I'll tabernacle in your midst. You'll be my people. Great gift. Great gift. So he sends Moses. He said, Moses, I want you to lead you out. And many of you are familiar with the story or you've seen Joseph, you know, dream coat, coat of many colors. And uh, he just said, I want to lead you out. And so while they're leading them out, I want you to get perspective here. For hundreds of years, they've been in slavery And now while Moses is leading them out, things begin to change a little. And I put a verse in Scripture in your notes. Numbers 21, verse 4, it says this. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew, what's the word? Impatient. Along the way. How is that possible? That's like kids in the car when you go on vacation. You just get them buckled in and you're only like half an hour down the road. And you go, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? See, I I don't think God should have told them where he was taking them. He should have said, we're just going to go to the desert for a couple of days. Because once you give people a destination, they get really impatient if you don't get there quickly. It's like some of you are going to destination. Doug, you've got to wrap this up in about 40 minutes. And we watch and we time and we grow impatient. So the Israelites, captive for hundreds of years, now God says, I've got you in the desert for a few weeks, and serious road rage taking place. A little bit further, the Bible says that Moses, God leads them to Mount Sinai, and that's really where he's going to give them this brand new covenant. He says, you're going to be my people. You're going to demonstrate my love to the world. So Moses, I need you to come and hang out with me. Calls a leader away for 40 days. Goes up the mountain. Moses is getting the new covenant that he's going to share. So we're going to talk about the commandments. He's going to say, this is how we live in community together. And in 40 days, the people are going, well, where is the guy? Like we had a leader. He disappeared and they grew impatient. So they go to Aaron. Hey, you're second in command. You're now our boss. You're in charge. And by the way, make us a God. We want to worship a God. See what happens is impatient leads us to make wrong choices. And rash consequences come as a result of this. And it's very, very destructive to our lives. So they start to deviate from God's plan. 
And now you have anger and frustration and disappointment. You've got everything breaking down. Why? Because 40 days, 40 days their leader was gone. And we lose sight of the bigger picture. And so they're learning, and we learn together that impatience has been something that's been in Scripture long before we discovered it as a 21st century people. Go back into Scripture, and you look at Jesus in a situation where his friend Lazarus was about to die. He got word that his good friend Lazarus was dying. Even his disciples said, Jesus, we better make our way. Let's get over there. And he goes, no, I need a couple of days. I got some ministry to do. And they were a little impatient with him. He goes, yeah, but you don't understand. He goes, no. You don't understand. There's a different perspective in play right now. So Jesus knew he was following God's purpose and plan. He wasn't getting caught up in the temporal and the immediate. So when Jesus does arrive, and I put a verse in your notes, it's over in John chapter 11, verse 21. Both Mary and Martha would make similar comments, but here's Martha's. She said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't die. Now, it's a true statement. But what she missed is that her impatience would have brought about a miss in God's kingdom. Because Jesus knew that God was going to use Lazarus' death as a sign, a symbol of the power of the kingdom. He would raise Lazarus back to life. Imagine what we would have missed had Jesus gone immediately and simply raised him up from his sickbed. Friends, think about this. What do we miss in life when we allow impatience to interrupt God's purpose? When we put timetables around God's plan for our lives and we go, God, why didn't you do this right now? And we force God into our time frame. And you know what takes place is when our impatience grows, we become frustrated with God, we become frustrated with others, and we actually mess up God's best plan for our lives. So the gift that God gives us is really patience. But this pace is all over Scripture. Think about Jesus and his disciples. Another quick reference here. It's over in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. This is immediately after the resurrection. And all the, all the disciples are dealing with the grief and the, the misunderstanding and the confusion of what they just went through. And now that Jesus is alive, we've got a dead man walking. They're very excited again. And look at the verse. They gathered around Jesus and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So here you have this impatient expectation. Okay, we put up with everything that we just went through. We didn't understand why you had to do that. So now are you going to bring in your kingdom? Now is Israel going to become everything that was destined to be rather than taking a step back and saying, God, what's your plan? What's your purpose? What are you doing in the midst of my life and the storm that I'm going through or the misunderstanding? I said it earlier, but I really believe this. I think we have seriously perfected our impatient tendencies. We've allowed our electronic world to infiltrate our personal private worlds. We've allowed our spiritual lives to be interrupted by all of our technology. And now we have this impatience that penetrates not even into our work worlds and our personal worlds. It goes right into our spiritual lives with God. It's like when we stop to pray and we start praying, we go, wow, I must have been praying for like 20 minutes. And you go, 90 seconds. Okay, try this again. Because we're just so impatient. We don't know how to slow the RPMs of our life down. Well, let's go to our notes. Let's go a bit deeper. Here's what we discover. We're going to talk about for a moment here the practice, the practice of patience. See, this is the good news. The Bible says that God knows the tendencies of our heart. He's fully aware that all of us, we have these impatient tendencies, and he loves us too much to allow us just to kind of generate and live life in the middle of this. You know, when you think about this whole area of what impatient looks like, 
it's, uh, you know, patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Seldom in a woman, never in a man. Isn't that true? You just drive with a man for a little while. You see patience perfected. <laughs> no, you won't. You see impatience over the charts. So God invites us to embrace what I'm calling today this practice of patience, the gift of patience, to take a step back from situations where tension's high, frustration's boiling over, because patience allows us to alleviate the pressure of frustration and anger. It restores a proper rhythm to our lives, that when we walk with patience, we begin to experience the very gift of life that God had called us to, the authentic life, So that when we're facing even our challenging situations, so whether they're situations of affliction that we'll talk about in a moment, or the situations that just get us driven and tense and filled with emotion, patience becomes that release valve where God says, "Just, just let all that out and learn to walk with patience. Paul wrote a lot of our New Testament for us. Great, great insight through the Holy Spirit. But when Paul was coming back from his ministry, traveling and speaking out to the Gentiles, he knew that God had another plan that he had to fulfill, and he was coming back in towards Jerusalem. And the Bible says that on this journey back to Jerusalem, one of the prophets, a man of God, came from Judea and met him on the way. And he went up to Paul, and he took his belt off of him, and then he took the belt, and he tied up his hands, tied up his feet, and he said, Paul, this is going to happen to you if you continue on this journey. And the Bible gives a little bit of insight to those who were with Paul. They begged Paul, they pleaded Paul, don't do this. Don't go there. But the beauty of the moment was, so there, there they were in their impatience asking Paul, don't, don't, don't go ahead with the plan. And Paul knew that God had a better plan and a better purpose. He goes, I'm willing to face whatever God has for me, even if it means that I'm going to face affliction. Because God has got my heart centered on him. And it doesn't matter if it's good times or bad times. And we've read verses like this before. It doesn't matter if I have plenty or if I have little. It doesn't matter if I've, you know, my home is filled with all kinds of wealth and and all kinds of treasures or if my home is empty and it's just a one-room shack. He goes, I'm at peace. And I've discovered patience in God. So we see it demonstrated right there in his life. Think about Daniel. Daniel was one of the uh, Israelite captives that was taken into Babylon. Worked his way up remarkable blessing of God on his life. But there was a moment where those around Daniel were so intimidated by his integrity, they were trying to trip him up. So they convinced the king to issue an edict that if anybody prayed to any other God for 30 days, 30-day count, no problem, anybody prays to any other God for 30 days, that their life would be taken from them for not respecting King Nebuchadnezzar. So they were really conspiring to take Daniel out of play. And I love the verse 610. It's in your Bibles. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. And it's there in your notes as well. Here's what we read. It says, When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. How do you do that? See, he wasn't rattled by the unexpected change in his life circumstances. He wasn't rattled by a momentary opportunity for affliction. His heart was patiently centered on God. So he wasn't going to let his circumstances change the orientation of his spirit. And friends, when we get our perspective right, it allows us to live our lives with incredible patience. Even Jesus faced the constant demands and pressures of life. 
There was one point when he had gone up into Capernaum, up in Galilee, and he was ministering, and Peter's mother-in-law was sick, and he healed his mother-in-law. Then they brought the people from the village in. He had a busy day of ministry. Then that later that day, they, they had a great meal together. He goes to bed, and the Bible says that the next day, and here it is in your notes, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, and he went out to an isolated place to pray. What was he doing? He was building margin in his life. He was embracing the practice of patience. When you spend time allowing God's Spirit to minister to your spirit, it increases your patience quotient. It does. And Jesus knew that in order to face all that he would have to do, he needed to figure out how do I pull back from situations that are filled with all kinds of anxiety and expectation and challenge. But often what we do is we try to drive in and bring our resource and our best thinking and everything that we can into the circumstances. We end up feeling frustrated. And our patience breaks down and we become very, very impatient people. So I got thinking about this. I wonder if there are not moments in our lives where God is giving us the gift of patience, creating opportunity for patience, but we don't see it. We see the challenge, but not the potential in the moment. And here they are, just some of them that I was thinking about. I wonder if the relentless crying of a colicky baby is an opportunity for a young mom to discover patience as a gift from God. I wonder if parents realize that the endless rant of a frustrated teenager doesn't have to drive them to the brink of anger, but it could be a gift of patience of learning how to raise a child who belongs to God in the first place, and we are stewards of that life. Or maybe the cold indifference of a neglectful spouse, the dismissive attitude of a rude sales associate, a broken-down car, Spilled coffee on your freshly laundered clothes on the way to work. Backed up traffic, a delayed flight. Lingering health issues that never seem to resolve themselves. Canceled appointments. Or the one we all experience, the 40-minute wait at a doctor's office. We show up on time, we wait. And what do we do while we're there? Our blood pressure goes up, so we know we're going to have a problem when we see the doctor. And our blood pressure goes up because we're waiting for them. That's the problem. So they usually do my test and they go, how are you doing? I was good until I came here. That's what I'm going to tell you. You're hurting me. But maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a gift to realize that life isn't measured in one and two and moments. But life is measured with a different perspective. That we get a perspective that God is in control of all of our situations in our life. And could it be those areas of our lives that we normally consider to be our patience busters are really what God has given us to become patience builders. That they're gifts, like Psalm 46, verse 10 says, where God says, be still and know that I am God. So what is it that has actually been plaguing your thoughts while I've been speaking this morning? Whose name has been on your mind and that's been a burden that you've been carrying Spouse, child, a family member, a divorce, an accident, a health issue. What circumstance distracts you? Your finances, your future, your college, your education, your work, whether or not you'll get another job. See, all of those moments are real moments in our lives. But they're moments where we can substitute the authentic gift of patience 
and try to fill ourselves and our lives with a frenzied pace, or we can back away and do exactly what God invites us to do, and he goes, be still. Be still and know. Friends, it's the hardest thing we have to do is to actually slow the RPMs of our life down to the place where we can allow the whisper of the Spirit to be evidenced one more time. I'm thinking, and I put a reference in your note, but I'm thinking maybe this is a little bit of what Jesus was getting at when he spoke in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 42. Some of his teaching was very, very challenging. But he said at one point here, he goes, if someone were to slap you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to them. You can't do that if you're not a patient person. If someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, he said, well, then just give them your coat. So you can't do that unless you're a patient person. And if someone wants to force you to go one mile, then he said, go two. Walk the extra mile because that's what a patient person would do. Give to anybody who asks of you. Loan to the person that needs. See, that's the authentic life. It's a life that's measured in a rhythm of patience. It's the practice of patience. And how many of you know that's every day? It is. It's something that every day God gives us little moments where we get to choose. So let me just talk about one more thing here before we come to a great gift that he gives us, which is his table. And it's what I call the payoff of patience. It's the gift of looking towards a different perspective. It's the opportunity to view patience not in terms of what it costs me, but in terms of what God has given me. See, we tend to look at patience in terms of what it's going to cost me. To be patient in the middle of an argument, I feel like I'm giving up. I'm having to trade. I'm not going to win the argument. But maybe what it really is is the payoff is to be able to step out of an argument, step away from that heated anger in that moment and go, it's not what I'm going to win right now, but I'm going to fix my eyes on my future and realize that God's gift to me is much greater than my temporal time. It's what Peter would talk about. Peter would say, did you know that with the Lord... He doesn't do one and two. But he said, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. That God doesn't measure the rhythm of our life based upon the moments of time and minutes. But God says, when you come into relationship with me, do you not realize already you are walking in the land of eternity? How many of you know that? That as a follower of Christ, if you have become a follower of Jesus, you've already stepped in to the timeless sense of eternity. Now, we still operate. Your boss wouldn't appreciate you saying, hey, did you know I don't have to come in right away? I'm, I'm in eternity. I'll show up sometime. They're not going to pay you for that. But the gift of the kingdom is this. I no longer have to feel the pressure of being impatient because I get to look at my afflictions. So whether it's my health or whether it's persecution or whether it's my job, whatever my affliction may be or my challenging situation, and I get to change my perspective and I start to look towards the future. It's there in your notes, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. It says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. Friends, it changes the rhythm of your life, and the payoff of patience when you start to look through eternal perspective. Because all of a sudden, the disagreement that you're in the middle of, the argument, and you're about to go to bed, and you know that you're not supposed to go to bed angry. You know that, right? And you're just feeling angry. Well, how do you bring patience back in? It's you do this. You start to look towards eternity, and you go, is it really worth 
going to bed and having this indifference and this anger and this frustration between us? Or can we agree that we're already walking in the light of eternity? We're going to figure this out. We'll get help. We'll get some counseling or we'll work our way through this circumstance. So many areas of our lives, if we changed our perspective, imagine how God's gift would lead us into an authentic life. I like what it says in Romans 8.18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. If you've got a frustrating spouse, you might want to underline that verse. You might go, God, thank you for the gift of my present suffering. No, I'm just kidding. They're a gift of love and life. You know that, right? But we measure things this way. But God says, could you change your perspective? And that's what he invites us to, is to look at our lives differently. See, authentic patience, regardless of what we're going through, the only way to achieve it, you got to take the pressure off. you got to take the time off. you got to take the control off. And you got to bring it back over to God. And this table that we're about to step up to in a few moments here, this is the gift of our Heavenly Father who stepped into constrained time of man and gave us the gift of his son so he could liberate us not only from our sins but he could liberate us from relationships that break down because of our impatience and the frustration that we face. Now you might be thinking, Doug, you know, it's easier for you to say that than it is to do. That's true. But whether it's a health issue that you're still walking through or whether you've been praying for your kids for years and years and years Don't measure based on days and months and years. Measure based on the payoff of eternity because our Father's in control of your circumstance right now. We sang about this. Whatever the storm you measure right now today, my God, your God is in control of that storm. So Paul, back in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God loves you so much that even in what is building pressure in your life, he invites you to what? Be still and know that I am God. So I want to give you a gift today. And it's a gift that is sometimes hard to receive. I want to give you the gift of stillness. And I want you to pray with me. And we're not going to fill it with sound. We're not going to fill it with music. We're going to fill it with silence. And we're going to give the stillness of the moment over to God. And let's see if we can do that without looking at our watches. So let's pray together. Close your eyes with me, would you? You know, Father, the world is going to do everything it can to strip away even what we've experienced in these few short seconds of silence. We're going to leave this building. We're going to face traffic, busy streets, packed out restaurants, great family gatherings, both good and challenging, are all going to come at us. And they're going to strip out that still small voice 
that says the gift of patience is there for you. And we're going to get amped up and challenged all over again. But in this moment right here, Holy Spirit, I pray that whatever thought has been trying to invade our thoughts in prayer, whatever situation or crisis or urgent moment has continually tried to shift our focus away from your truth onto our circumstance, thank you for the gift of patience. Thank you for the gift that says we can step back and we can quiet our hearts and we can be still and know that you are God. And in a moment when we receive the wonderful gift of communion, that Jesus, you gave everything up. You never constrained yourself to our timetables, but you came, liberated us, gave us freedom, gave us life, brought us into eternity. So help us live authentically and help patience become one of those virtues that marks our life and where people look at us and they go, that's a life that I want to emulate. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.